Hello and welcome to Bears Beyond the Gate, a Bristol Bears podcast made by fans for fans. We're four season ticket holders at Ashton Gate who love the club, the game and all things Bears. In this week's show, we talk about Bristol's record-breaking 40 points to 20 win at the wreck. We tried to make it interesting by giving Bath a 15-point head start, but in the end, a comfortable and convincing win for Pat and the boys. We'll also look ahead to our third West Country derby in a row when Gloucester visit Ashton Gate next Monday under the lights and in front of fans for the first time in a year. We get the inside track on what to expect from Gloucester from our friends at the Cherry Jam podcast. All this and more on this week's show. I'm Tony and I'm joined by Lee, Miles and Pete for a cheeky beer and some rugby banter. Well, gentlemen, uh, pleasure speaking to you again. Um, let me come to you first, Lee. Um, I think you've moved into your new pad, haven't you, this week? I have, Tony. Yeah, I, um, I've i just done a week of 14-hour shifts. So um, I, I was obviously moved in purposely while we had a free week. Um, and I, I wouldn't have missed this one for the world, fellas. So, um, yeah, really, really great to be back. And uh, I, I believe there was a, a birthday, belated birthday wishes to you. Um, it was Thursday, wasn't it? The, yeah, it was, Tony. Yeah, I was, uh, I was 21 again on Thursday. I, I just want to say thank you for the congratulations. And you obviously sent me a text on the day, which is much more than, uh, than Miles and Pete did, because I'm actually still waiting for Miles's. And Pete, Pete's came in on uh, Pigeon Carrier two days late. So thanks, fellas. That's what makes it for, eh? <laughs> well, there we go, Miles. How's your weekend uh, weekend been? Well, that's put me on a downer because I feel like a terrible friend now, to be honest <laughs> with you. But apart from missing Lee's birthday, uh, which I do apologise for, I'll send him a text message in a minute. Um, yeah, busy week at work. Uh, a manic children's birthday party on Saturday, and I was furious to have to miss, miss the game live on Saturday. But caught up at 9pm with the Duchess and thoroughly enjoyed it in the end. And yeah, nice to chat to you, boys. Uh, and Pete, uh, how, how's your uh, week been? Any, any any interesting little tidbits from you? No, not really. Um, this weekend, a lot of ferrying around. As Miles mentioned a couple of pods ago, now the lockdown's over. Uh, it's, it's all hands to the pump with various child activities planned a couple of lessons on coastal erosion today um, that sort of thing standard Sunday and I've got to say I was late in saying happy birthday to Lee but I did at least offer him a mattress and he didn't want it <laughs> wow. so, so, yeah, be- so annoyingly I've got to go down the tip next weekend <laughs> but, but Tony what Pete hasn't what hasn't told you is that Pete was lying in the mattress when he offered it to me. So, yeah. <laughs> hey, you know what I was wearing. <laughs> there we go. It's, it, it, it's nice to know he'll only offer you things if he's going to throw them out. Um, right, well, let's talk about that fantastic game of rugby. Um, let me come to you first, Lee. Um, with one eye on the weather forecast, uh, it wasn't looking good, was it, for the weekend? And we know what the bath pitch can be like. Uh, did you think we were going to see such a spectacle as we did with uh, the weather as it uh, was looking? I, I didn't, Tone. I, I mean, I have to admit, I was praying for it to stay dry. Even though I, I know we can mix it up. We've we've proven that already. You know, we're not just about running rugby. Um, and I was confident that we would beat bath whatever the conditions but obviously, we are we are, we are more conducive to running rugby, and uh, you know I was praying that it would stay dry, um, and subsequently, pretty much until the last ten minutes, it did, didn't it? So um, you know, so it all worked out for us, even though we conspired to to do our best to kind of like you say throw it away in the first after the first ten minutes of dominance. Uh, I don't know what happened after that, really. Yeah, well, let's let's talk about that in a minute, Miles. Let me come to you when uh, when you saw those team sheets on Friday. Obviously, uh, a pretty strong Bears team, but uh, Bath uh, leaving out one or two players. Uh, did, did that give us a boost? Do you think going into the game? Yeah, I think so. I mean, the team sheet for Bristol was immense. I mean, that's a quality side, and I mean, any any side would have been trembling at the knees to face those guys. Yeah, I mean, I was surprised. I knew that. Uh, Priestland had supposedly was on the cusp of coming back, and then we found out it was on the bench. Surprised to see Zach Mercer not there. I mean, he's been a sort of thorn in our side at Bristol, hasn't he, on all of the derby games, and he's such a quality player. And, yeah, I think, you know, Falatau was in there, but I think they certainly missed him. But, 
I mean, you know, the, the side that the team sheet Pat book out, put out was was fantastic, and obviously uh, did the did the job on them. Uh, absolutely, obviously Underhill was missing as well, which uh, was was maybe a, a slight surprise. But uh, Pete, let me come to you. Um, confident going into the game, and uh, I think as uh, Lee said, there we were we were playing some great rugby for that first five or ten minutes, and then uh, blink of an eye, uh, and we give them a two try lead. Um, what was your take on those uh, those two tries? Well, I mean, it was just it was just ridiculous, really. It was crazy. Um, I mean, as you mentioned, I mean, they dropped five internationals. We brought five internationals in, um, despite uh, Matt Perry, on who was on the scrum on Tuesday, saying that Bath were going to win. I don't really think anybody thought it was going to be anything but a Bristol victory. And after about five minutes, you know, I was thinking, this is we got fifty bag, bag fifty points will be in the bag before half time. But it was just, I mean, it was almost extraordinary. It's that sport, isn't it? That's the beauty of sport. Is that suddenly from, I think. I think I tweeted out saying was the I think the first try was it was it the most against the run of play try ever known to man and then quickly followed by the second most against the run of play man it was it was just one of those things but I think in some ways we we need that sort of thing don't we we don't want easy games now because we've got harder games to come and we need to have that opportunity to problem solve uh, which ultimately we did and and 15 nil down having kind of dominated and then you could see a little bit of nervousness getting into the side and for a little bit before Nathan Hughes scored later on I did wonder whether we were going to have the the wherewithal to to really solve that problem but solve it we did yeah and Lee talking about those two two early tries I mean that first one I reckon if that was replayed a hundred times, ninety-nine times, that would have just flicked a hand for a knock-on or just be booted too long. I mean, just everything that could go perfectly for Bath did, didn't it? For for for, for their first try. Yeah, it did Tony. Like you say, it was it was really fine margins. I, when they when they kind of replayed it back, I was praying that someone you know that had been knocked on, but. It, and it was, it was fine margins. But then, you know, they, you know, we, we again created our own downfall again, didn't we? And, you know, it was, you know, it's hard to criticise the team because literally if we had gone over early, I, like Pete had just uh, said then, I was thinking the same thing. We could be 40 points up by half time. So you can't be too um, dismissive of what we what we did we just got caught out a couple of times and and unfortunately as we've all said previously on on the podcast that's the way we play so you know we we still believed in the system and i think even 12 15 nil down i don't think any of us really believed we were going to lose that game i certainly didn't well miles did did you think we were in trouble i mean it was uh, 35 minutes gone we were 15 nil down were you still confident that we could pull it round uh, and how important as a follow-up was uh, Nathan Hughes scoring that try just before half-time? Oh, absolutely. You know, I, I, I think I agree with you and the boys. I think really the, the win was never in doubt to most Bristol fans. And despite that bizarre first 12 minutes and, uh, you know, intercept try by Priestland, I mean, as Lee sort of tweeted, hes I don't think he knew what he was doing with the ball, did he? He sort of chotted over the try line, didn't really know what to do and tapped it down. But yeah, that was a, that was a great try by Nathan Hughes. Um, and I think that was a great turning point. I think Pat, you know, really did he get it out the hairdryer at halftime and get everyone a blasting? Not really, because nothing was particularly wrong in the first half, I think. The ball was a bit slippery. We weren't that clinical. And you could see that Bath were targeting Sheedy really quickly and rushing on him and he didn't really get a chance to shine but I think second half we tightened it up didn't really change anything massively and then from there on in I think we played the Bristol way and Pete let me come to you that 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 second half uh yeah we did come out uh got the penalty try on 49 minutes um were, were you surprised that was giving us a penalty try quite so quickly or do you think that nah. was a, a clear penalty try it was clear I mean Sinclair was all over Schumann I mean I think to be honest it was a penalty try all day long and 
I think the person that was the luckiest was, I think it was their replacement, Lucer, Jamie Batty, who was about to come on. Can you imagine if he had come on for that scrum and it had been, he would have been sent off straight away. So I think, uh, I mean, Schumann, you know, had a, had a, had a pretty torrid time against Sinclair. And I, I think uh, the dominance in the scrum, not, you know, psychologically, they, it does make a huge difference, as we know from the World Cup final against South Africa. Um, so I, it was, you know, it was, it was still in the bag for a while. But and then when when Bath scored their uh, their second try, uh, was are their um, uh, the cross kick try? Sorry, that Watson <laughs> made the Owen Lloyd look like he was eighteen years old for once. Um, you know, it was still a little bit bad, but I never, you know, you always felt the quality of Bristol was just so good. And I think, as Miles rightly pointed out, and I will, I will lord him to the uh, rooftops on this one, that he was absolutely right. And what we just had to do was just adjust that rush defence thing with Sheedy. And I think Pat mentioned it in commentary when he was asked. It was just a case of Sheedy going a bit closer to Andy Wren or going a bit further away or something and just negating, because that was basically all they had was the, a Ben Spencer box kick and a rush and two big flankers trying to smash Sheedy. Kind of solve those two problems, don't drop the ball or knock on, and then basically the game was ours, wasn't it? Yeah, Lee, let me come to you. Obviously, Max Malin's uh, bagged a couple of tries in the second half with his new uh, dive and slide technique, <laughs> uh, making good use of the uh, weather conditions. Did were you a little bit surprised when you saw Malins on Friday uh, lunchtime uh, down playing on the wing, his first time on the wing in his uh, senior career? Massively surprised, Tone. But but then, I, well, you know, when I'd actually digested it, I I think that that guy is so special. It wouldn't matter what number is on his back. To be perfectly honest, I think he could. He he has got, and we've already alluded to this in previous pods. He's got a rugby brain. He's so intelligent on that field, um, and I mean, you know, he could have had a hat trick, couldn't he, quite easily? Um, you know, with the with the disallowed try, and he he just gives us something. Whatever position he plays, he gives us an extra dimension. The the guy is absolute class, and. Um, you know, it's it's just great to see him doing his thing, whatever position he's in. Yeah, I did wonder when he was uh, when he was picked on the wing whether that was partly because of Spencer's box kicking. To think that you know, if you've got yeah. uh, Maylins and Piatau both running back at you, that's uh, going to put a little bit of uh, pressure on the scrum half to mm. to where, where he's putting those kicks. Uh, Miles, let me come to you then. Uh, two other tries in that second half. We had Charles Piatau. Uh, you just sense when he got the ball, there was going to be no stopping him. And uh, and then the forwards did the business again with Ben Earl. Um, uh, your thoughts on those, those those two tries? Yeah, that was fantastic. I think Charles is such a dangerous attacking player. Well, clearly, you know, one of the best in the world. That I think on this occasion, Bath got a bit stumped by him. I think they thought he might do... A sort of one, two, three, or four dummy, maybe on this occasion. And clearly, he just sprint straight through them, tapped down the ball, which was absolute quality. And then another fantastic, but sort of mall try, classic Bristol. And I think it's just now showing, which we'll probably come on to chat about, that we're not just a sort of one team sort of uh, set piece game, are we, from the backs and the forwards? We just dominated in the second half all over the park. And those two tries were just great. Right, Pete, let me come to you. We've already touched on Max Malin's uh, second try, the the slide in from uh, from about 10 metres out. But let me ask you, clock was in the red, our line out, halfway line. Were you expecting us just to boot it out? Or did you think, nah, we're going to go for no, it? Mate, we've been watching Bristol long enough now in this project to know that there was only one thing we were going to do there. We were going to try and score a try. And actually, why not? I mean use as much game time as you can to, to practice your patterns. And it was actually at one of our more perfect executions of the day. Uh, beautiful little loop round from, I think I think it was Morahan on the uh, on the decoy coming in from the other wing to Semi. As soon as you see Semi with two or three yards in front of him, uh, you knew it was all over. And then again, you give it to Malins. Malins with, you know, that little hip sway, 
little dummy. And as I said, I mean, he tripped over, but luckily he slid in. Um, I thought the guy that he he fended, in fact, he fended off their guy, didn't he? And that almost gave Mm. him a bit more momentum. I thought there was a bit of a cheap shot came in from the the tackler, came in sliding in. I mean, there was a few little, a few bits of, uh, obviously, (laughs) obviously Tom Dunn wasn't a very subtle bit of cheap shottery, but there was a little bit of cheap shottery because there was a bit of afters with uh, Charles Piertow and Will Muir, wasn't they, after Charles Piertow's tackle? Well, you know, I just, think that you know that's when a team is is right really down and desperate when all they've got left in them is a bit of cheap shottery um and yeah it made me think that you know we've we've got the famous bristol slider uh up on the uh, by the suspension bridge but Maylands is going to go down in history as the uh, as the second bristol slider and yeah. uh, maybe maybe that will keep him next season because i tell you what boys if and i know we think he's going to go back to saracens we do not want to be facing him that often do we i mean we need to be starting to work out how to defend against him now not giving him all these fancy ideas about how to score tries no absolutely and i mean we've talked about this on previous podcasts you know if if earl and maylins do go back actually the form they were in the back end of last season and they're hitting now uh, that that's going to be quite a loss for this team if if they don't get replaced. But anyway, we'll we'll hopefully know more about that uh, as we get closer to the end of the season. So Lee, let me come to you. Um, Carl Sinclair, obviously there's going to be so much, already so much said about him. We're recording this, our usual slot on Sunday evening. Um your thoughts on his man of the match uh, performance, and uh, you know we have to, I'm sure, talk about that uh, that post match interview as well. Yeah, I mean, I I thought the the guy was immense on the field. I thought he he did um, his performance was absolutely positive. Showed exactly what what I'd expect from a professional sportsman to do. Um, you know, when he was. Um, feeling hurt from not being picked for the Lions. Um, but, I mean, there's one thing that we've always said on, on the podcast is that we're always going to be contemporaneous. Uh, and I would, I would say, and I know it's not a popular opinion, um, but I would suggest that actually Sinclair's performances in a bearish shirt haven't been to the level that, that I would have expected, I'll be honest, for... for when we signed the guy, we were all four of us were absolutely jumping up and down, weren't we? And I know we've had a COVID hit season, and there's been a lot of um, problems for him of being able to go back home. Um, but I I can see why he wasn't picked for the Lions personally. Um, just going on this season alone, and I think that I know that's not the proper opinion, but. You know, I, I think that's my opinion, and you know, I think we're we're all we're all entitled to our opinions. But um, one thing I would say about the interview is that that interview was absolutely brilliant. It was full, it was raw, it was full of emotion, and it's it's the sort of interview you'd only get from a council estate kid. You wouldn't you wouldn't get Miles rocking up doing an interview like that. I tell you. <laughs> So, so I, I give him full credit for that, and um, and even though it was um, it was a bit tear jerky after, um, I'll, I'll let you talk. I'll let you discuss uh, Hugo Monnier and everyone else because it, it it really did get a bit bizarre at the end. I have to admit. Yeah, and Miles, let me come to you. Um, do you think that's 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 fair comment that uh, we we haven't seen the kind of performances from Sinclair that we were expecting when uh, there was the big fanfare and he arrived in Bristol? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I hate to agree with Lee, but on this occasion, especially after his comments, that um, I think you're right. Really, I think I, I mean, I found that really hard to pick a man of the match, and I know it goes always goes to the, always goes to the winning team. But I think both my, my wife and I said, yeah, actually, really good scrum, massive maul, uh, and fair enough, he got man of the match. But, yeah, I mean, for sort of, you know, a £500,000 a year prop, <laughs> I was expecting a lot more. We, I, I agree with Lee. He had a quiet Six Nations, all right, Autumn Nations Cup, and he's been solid since he's been here. And I think when he's come off the bench, 
I think you you know he has put in a fantastic performance. <laughs> um, but you know, so I would have expected a bit more and greater things. But maybe he's got the bit between his teeth now. And what with making Ugo Monyo cry and probably Lee cry at the same time, he's going to go on the next four matches and absolutely smash the opposition. And hopefully, we'll see good things from him. Yeah, and, and Pete, your, your your view on the whole Sinclair affair? Well, I, they did kind of make tell Pat that he was crying as well, didn't they, in the interview? But I think it was because it was raining. And I, I think Pat just had a bit of rain. And then Craig Doyle was like, oh, it's got... Oh, oh yeah, Pat, it's got to you, hasn't it? I was thinking, I'm not sure Pat is quite the kind of guy to like suddenly but doing it and, and I wonder whether Hugo Monia started crying because he mistakenly thought Pat was crying <laughs> which was mistaken by Craig, Craig Doyle because it was raining so yeah actually I've got a really good point to make about this and I, I agree with Lee 100% I think you know I think he was sold that idea by the media as much as anything not necessarily by reality and, and the other thing I'd say is a, a, a good mate of mine who is also a very good mate of the pod who actually appeared on the pod my, my mate Mark Newell he texted me after the game and said if Jan Thomas was Scottish and had played for Scotland do you think he might have got picked for the Lions because I think Jan Thomas has been one of the best front consistent front rowers we've had this season Agreed. and again putting in a fantastic shift uh, on on uh, on Saturday um, and as you know as as as, as as local and Bristolian as they get, because uh, we all know he, he grew up within shouting range of the uh, of Ashton Gate. So yeah, it's all relative. Um, yeah, it was a, it was a, it was really nice to see Kyle talking like that. I mean, at BT Dort Sport milked it a little bit, but it was really nice to see. It. And I think that will it'll be a good connection to the fans. But I agree with Lee. I think you know no one's got a right, have they, or a privilege to to be picked for something and, unless they they perform. So take, yeah, we'll, we'll take, see. Take, Tony, can I just say one thing? Because the Bath fans were um, were tweeting a lot about it was a giggle fest on BT Sport, weren't they? You know, about 25, 30 minutes in. And they, that certainly ended that, didn't it? The, the giggle fest at the end there. It was yeah. a cry fest. <laughs> I've got to say, I mean, uh, on a personal level for Carl, you know, he, 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 you can understand how upset he is by not going on a Lions tour when, as you say, lots of the media and pretty much all the reports when people were picking their squad, his name was in all of them. But um, I've got to say, I wonder if it will be a uh, a blessing in disguise for Bristol because we've now got a... a, a, a an international quality prop that has got something to prove in these next four, five, six games of the season. Uh, and, you know, that was his best performance in a Bristol shirt. So if that, 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 that inspires him to that kind of level of performance for the rest of the season, that's going to be good. And I also think the guy looked a bit knackered, um, you know, after the World Cup, the injury, you know, the concussion. Uh, he's had a pretty relentless time. So uh, a, a nice close season, a chance to refresh, get used to his new surroundings in Bristol and, and hopefully COVID free. You know, I, I, I think we might see a inspirational uh, Carl Sinclair for uh, next season as well. So uh Obviously, a big disappointment not not to go on the tour, but I think I think that really will help Bristol. Um, Lee, let me come to you then. Um, your thoughts on uh, other players that uh, performed well? Maybe maybe if you look at the uh, the pack, who do you think played well in the uh, the front eight other than Carl? Well, the the big one for me that jumped out was Big Nathan. I, I thought he was absolutely back to his uh, to his brute brute force best again um and and in my eyes he was very close to to my man of the match to be honest um so that that was great and to be honest if you were talking about you know taking lions on a plane somewhere i mean i know you can't just go on this one performance but to me him against uh toby fallatow hughes absolutely smashed that contest all day um yesterday so I was I was really personally pleased for him. And Lee, did you think he? To me, he looked like he maybe looked a little 
he shed a little bit of weight. He just seemed, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know, just seemed sharper, didn't he? And I'm just looking at the stats. Uh, Max Malin's got 103 metres, of which I think uh, 53 were on his tummy. Um, Luke Morahan, 84 metres from 11 carries, but Big Nath was third, 62 metres from 14 carries. And that that's yeah. that kind of impact, isn't it, that we, we, we've maybe missed a little bit from uh, from the base of the scrum. Um, Miles, let me let me come to you. Um, uh, obviously, this is the part of the uh, show where you give your Andy Uren uh, review. <laughs> so, uh, can can we expect a, a, a five out of ten solid performance this week, yeah, or uh, more or less? Uh, more or less, maybe I will give him a seven out of ten. Yeah, he was he was <laughs> he was he was solid enough. <laughs> I think this week. It was uh, some of his box kicks weren't great, and he one flew off the side of his foot into touch. I mean, he did a job, um, and he had a nice little run up the centre as well. So he was okay, to be honest with you. I think well done, Andy. I thought defensively, Urem was better as well, though. I mean, he did did uh, he did win a couple of turnovers for us as well. So I, I don't think it was his best game. I think Miles has got a, a more of a fair shout this week though than than previous. <laughs> You think he did worse, did you, Pete? No, I think I think he he's got he's got the odd mistake in him. There, yeah, that slicey kick, and there was the knock on. But then it turned out in the replay that was Carl Sinclair's fault. Anyway, he stuck his leg out just as he was about to to pass it. I mean, what Andy Uren is is very very busy. Um, I think he's I think his passing's quicker. He's developed that little. I know we, we moan about the sideways run, but he's doing it for a purpose. I, I just think I think that I think every other Premiership side would be happy to have Andy Uren playing at scrum half. I, I just think um, you know he's 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 grown so much in stature. Um, I, I just I just really like you know I just think he's such an unassuming and I, I quite like the fact that he's got a bit of chopsiness about him. We have in the past suggested that might be a bit of his downfall, but I think he he's got you know he keeps things going along he keeps people on their toes including the refs a little bit and he didn't do any pointing at the touchline this week which is the one thing that does annoy me it's like they have paid professional line judges to work out where the ball goes in but he does like that little point so I think I, I think take out you know I, I think he's been quite integral to a lot of our our, our um wins so when you take it in a kind of cumulative way so miles you're right it wasn't his most spectacular but he, he's a busy boy i'd say i'd say i'd give him eight out of ten to be honest there we are and just while we're on scrum halves pete uh, tom kessel we actually he got more than a, a minute or so at the end um your, your thoughts on tom um, he got more than a minute or so at the end. He, he did one good kick. I mean, poor lad. I mean, I, I, I don't know. Uh, I mean, I guess he's he's trimmed his beard because if he'd said to himself, oh, I'm going to keep growing my beard until I get my first start, it would be down by his knees, wouldn't he? So he's uh, he's obviously trimmed his beard. Oh, I mean, he seems like a very a great um, guy to come on. I, I just think going back, I mean, I think Pat has got absolute faith in Andy Uren that's why he leaves him on the pitch so long. And I think we, you know, we have to respect that, that they know what they're talking about and they, they're analysing everything he does. We, we, it's, it's kind of, I don't know what you call it, what sort of bias it is, but we kind of remember the bad things, don't we? And, and don't, um, you know, we don't kind of remember all the stuff he does. And, you know, he is clearly a front foot player like they all are. I mean, any scrum half looks good when they're on the front foot. And uh, no, I, I, I just think Harry Randall's going to have a problem when he comes back to fitness. There's going to be that competition is going to be right on it again. And I think that's only a good thing. Um, and Tom Kessel, you know, he looks like a great understudy as well, Tom Kessel. So bring it on. Bring on the competition. And Lee, if you take a look at the backs, then maybe uh, who, who else stood out for you? Right. Well, obviously, Charles had a, a stormer, didn't he? I mean, he's he's absolutely just doing everything we expect from from Charles. Uh, Max again, brilliant. Um, who else have I got in here? I'm just I'm trying to read my own writing, actually. Um, there was that Fiji, Fijian in the centre. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> average, wasn't he? The guy with the guy with the beard was average again. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, some of some of the. I mean, what I did think is that our ball carrying was was fantastic, and it and again we created space. Especially, we did it in the first half, but especially in the second half, we 
we started really out, opening them up a little bit more. Um, and, I, and I just think we're so dangerous going forward, which is, uh, which is why, personally, I didn't ever worry about that game or us losing that game because I thought when, when it does click, it's all going to kick off. And, um, and I think the boys knew that, didn't they? So, yeah. Sem- yeah, Semi was, uh, was average as usual. As a mile solid. Yeah, I, I thought Semi looked really sharp. And I, I think when we've got him in our team, it just causes nervousness, doesn't it, in the opposition? I mean, there is yeah. that rumour that uh, Jonathan Joseph asked for compassionate leave from uh, the game <laughs> on, on, on Saturday when he saw he was going to line up against Semi Ranranjo. I don't know if that's true or not. Um, just uh, some some people I wanted to to mention. If we look at the uh, the spare bears on the bench uh, on the bench, and that was Jake Kerr. Kerr uh, sorry, yeah. Jake Kerr, uh, who 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 joined rather. I was quite surprised to see that um, uh, announcement that we 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 signed him to the end of the season because I thought we were reasonably well stocked in um, in hookers. Um, but I've got to say, uh, borrowing a Peteism, I, I did like the look of uh, the cut of his jib when he came on. He, uh, he he did seem to be very mobile around the pitch. He was uh, hitting the line out. Uh, I, I I just wonder what the story maybe is is there. Is is Thacker's injury worse than you know? Is, is he going to come back? Is, is Brian Byrne maybe? carrying a knock because Kloska and Capon weren't listed as injured uh, so now I think we've got five uh, hookers one of which is Saka who is injured plus we've got the lad I think who was on trial from the ex-Saracens guys that's still at the club Miles let me come to you um, Jake, Jake Kerr was that a, a, a surprise uh, signing for you? Yeah absolutely I mean we've been used to uh uh, Burn and Capon interchanging quite nicely, haven't we? Playing half a match each, and Kloska uh, has come on when needed uh, and in pressure situations and done and done really well. Uh, I think you're right, TC. Then maybe Thaka, we are not going to see him at all this season. That seems pretty clear to me. That his injury, he's back training, but his injury is such that he's just not going to get any game time. But it is a bit odd, really, that we've loaned at the end of the season. But we're coming into some very difficult matches, some tough, maybe tough semi-finals, and hopefully an extremely tough final where we do need a, 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 another sort of uh, hooker. And yeah, he was very mobile around the pitch. You know what? Did I did like about him is that. Brian Byrne still occasionally stutters a bit and looks a little bit nervous in throwing the ball in, 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 from a from a touchline. But Kerr looked like he'd been there since birth, smashed it straight to a player and looked really good and comfortable with the ball. And for someone who's come on literally the first game for us, I was actually quite impressed. But I'm not, yeah, it, it's an odd situation for him just to sign us in. And uh, Pete, you want to make a comment? Well, I was just saying, I, I, I know that he was uh, touted as being Scotland international, but I have just looked it up. <laughs> he came on off the bench for one game in 2019. But, uh, fair play to <laughs> but more importantly, he came from Leicester, didn't he? He's, he's 45 yeah. appearances. So, you know, yet an- another... Um, um, Oh, I've forgotten his name. Yes, Harry Thacker obviously came from Leicester as well, didn't he? So we're doing quite well on the old Leicester cast-offs because I agree with Miles, 100%. I thought he actually looked like a potential starter in the next game. He just looked, um, you know, you've got to love a Scottish hooker, haven't you? You know what you get with them. There we are. And, and Lee, let, let me, Lee, Lee, let me come to you. Um, maybe with a bit of uh, squad rotation, we could see a Bristol front row with Jake, Jake, and Jake uh, manning the uh, the front three <laughs> positions now with uh, Walmore, Kerr, and Armstrong. Do you think we're going to see that's, that? That's got to be a first ever, hasn't it, in the Premiership? Um, I mean, it is. Prote- I mean, potentially now, if we if we secure the the top two, um, we we don't know what could happen because Pat's obviously going to rest players, isn't he? Um, but that would be quite interesting, wouldn't it? Um, and especially as Pete was saying, you know, a, a Scottish hooker you can't really go wrong with. And uh, I think Miles made a good point. When Byrne throws the ball in, it, 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 Byrne's more of a floater 
he floats the ball in, whereas Kerr is more of a, you know, it's, it's more of a missile going in. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> no, so, nothing worse than a floater, is there? <laughs> Especially in the morning. <laughs> uh, and and the other the other spare bear that I just wanted to mention was Leua. Uh, again, came in and uh, thought looked really solid when he came in for Siali Piatau. A couple of nice carries, uh, nice hands as well for for some of the moves. Um, and we're just getting to the point now. We we have got such a strong squad with so many people back when you think uh you know dan thomas rested for this game uh, uh pete you want to you want to come in just talk about uh Alipati. it just reminded me i thought he had the most unfortunate penalty given against him then with compounded with a 10 meter back chat penalty because he got because he tackled the player and he literally rolled away straight away. And Sheedy gets in there. And then Luke Pierce pinged him for not rolling away. And the way that he said, because he went, what? Like that, in a kind of smiley, as in you are, he couldn't help himself. And he got then he got pinged for back chat. And I thought that was, you know, whilst it's all swings and roundabouts, I did actually feel a bit sorry for him. It was the one time where I thought, how is that in any form a penalty? When he was, he was, he was, it was like he got pinged for rolling away. Not rolling, rather than not rolling away. It was, and he and his reaction because we know he's a decent guy, and his reaction was was a kind of smiley. He couldn't really help it. And then Luke Pierce, obviously, as refs have to, and I agree with that. You know, you've got to keep that that professional um, that etiquette. But it was a bit unfortunate. I did feel a bit sorry for them on that I, one. I did think Pierce refereed the game really well, though. I don't know what you guys thought, but you know, he was. He was um, he was consistent throughout, wasn't he? And he and he was he was communicating with the players a lot, and I like that. I always like that, you know. One um, I, I can't remember who it was. I think it might have been Callum in the first half was was getting a little bit talkative, and he just said, and someone was shouting at him. Who was shouting at, at Pierce in the first half? I think it was, said, <laughs> it was Andy. It was Andy. Andy Ren was it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah and he, most and of he the just time. turned around. He said, "You won't get anything by shouting at me." Full stop. You know. So mm. just just don't do but it. And I I like that. He did say, he did actually say, I remember what I do quite like about not having crowds there is you do pick up quite a lot of stuff. And he did say, stop shouting offside at the line, line out. And I was thinking, there's probably a reason why they're doing that, Luke. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because everyone's always offside on that blunt, on the line out when they throw it in. And I just think it was one of those annoying things again that little rules, they could quite easily referee out of the game very and just you know because actually i think again the offside rules seem very variable uh, it always seems to come into play when the attacking team are really close to the defending team's line suddenly they're given offside all the time whereas in the middle of the park it never seems to get given so I, yeah no i do like luke, i do like luke pierce to be fair but um yeah not that alipati well, one Let's let's have a look at some of the results then. Let's round up this this week. Uh, Sale winning twenty six ten at home against Leicester on Friday night. Big win for Gloucester, and I think uh, you're going to talk about that in Pete's Premiership preview. Uh, they win thirty one points to seven away at Northampton Saints. Uh, Worcester had a, a, a lead in the first half against Exeter, but then that all unravelled with Exeter winning forty one ten. Newcastle fifty two. Uh, London Irish 27 uh, didn't see that being quite such a high scoring game as that and then of course uh, on Sunday Sunday afternoon uh, F- Quinns 48 uh, Wasps 46 winning the game uh, with a, a try in the uh, the dying minutes so that's left the table with Bristol still top on 71 points 8 point gap then to Exeter on 63 and both Sale and Quinns on 59 points each you're listening to Bears Beyond the Gate a Bristol Bears podcast made by fans for fans we're available on Apple Podcasts Spotify Podbean Buzzsprout and many more platforms you can contact us with your comments and ideas by email at bearsbeyondthegate at gmail.com on Twitter we're Bears Beyond Gate and on Facebook you can like and follow our Bears Beyond the Gate page well chaps exciting times we uh, as I say we're here Sunday evening um, looking forward to the next game which is Monday the 17th of May uh, 7.45 5pm kickoff, Bristol versus Gloucester. Now, I just need to check, are we all ready for Tuesday morning? Do, have we got our cunning plans to uh, to be online to get our season tickets? I see a thumbs up there from Miles. You're, uh, you've, you've got plans in place? 
Yeah, don't worry. I've changed my shift, so I shall be at home on decent Wi-Fi at 10 a.m. Tuesday morning. It's it's our mate Lee I'm worried about after last time's performance. <laughs> uh, and and Lee, how, how are you fared? Are you are you technically souped up for for this challenge? Well, I'm worried about myself as well. I agree with Miles. I, I I'm worried because I can't get emails on my on my phone at the moment. I currently have no Wi-Fi in my new place, so I don't know what I'm going to do to be honest, team. But I will I will endeavour to get a ticket somehow. Well, we'll 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 maybe talk about that off off air. See what we can do there. And um, Pete, uh, how's your how's Pete's predicament? Bad boys. I've got period one. I got GCSE geography year ten, and it's it's nine fifteen to ten fifteen. Oh, oh, no. I'm doing a case study on local food security. <laughs> and, uh, I'm, what an excuse! I know. I'm thinking I've got two options. Option one is I set them silent work for about 20 minutes whilst pretending to do the register on my iPad. Uh, say, oh, girls, sorry, I've missed. I, I forgot to do the register at the beginning of the lesson. I've just got to do it now. You get on with that work. That's the one option, slightly risky. And secondly, uh, I get my other half to log in as me and do it, um, which she's offered to do. But, you know, I'm worried about I've got to do a whole big risk assessment of the whole thing before I decide uh, how I go forward. I think she'll have you in the ATIO as well, mate. Well, exactly. When she sees the prices, when she sees the prices, she'll kibosh the whole thing, no doubt. Good to see, good, good to hear who's got the purse strings in your, your house then. Um, okay, so uh, it's the Rifles Cup. Really looking forward to this. Hopefully all, all four of us will be there at the gate. Um, but before we talk uh, about the game, let's listen to Pete's Premiership preview this week. And in fact, today, uh, earlier this afternoon on Sunday, he talked to Ed Price from the Cherry Jam podcast. Anyway, Ed, uh, really pleased to see you again. I appreciate you coming on to the pod. Um, it does seem a long time since that cold night at King's Home in February when we scraped a win, albeit having gifted you two interception tries. Uh, but since then, I think you've won five and lost five, including a great win yesterday against Saints. So taking all that into account, I'd be interested to know uh, how you assess your progress over this period. It, it's an interesting one, uh, because we've... Um... I think probably on the pod particularly, we've I've I think we felt kind of a bit disappointed, a bit despondent at times. Um, and yet the results have improved quite a lot, actually, quite markedly um since the beginning of the season. Um and I think a lot of that is it's not necessarily just the results of the performances. Um so for example, uh we played Quinns and Way and got thumped. I think we considered like nine tries or something daft like that. Um the uh, and, and but the Bristol game, ironically, that the, probably you could argue was a turning point because it was the first game where I think we all we all feared that it was going to be a bit of a mauling, and then to lose so late in the day, I think we then played Bath the following week, and and it was a very similar story. Um, there's definitely been some improvements, particularly um, in the set piece. Generally, our lineout has been performing pretty well all season. The scrum in the last, I'd say, six or so games has definitely improved. Um, you know, held our own against the La Rochelle side that the week after absolutely demolished sale. So um, there's been some real improvements. We, we still, I think, have question marks about our defence. Um, yesterday, I think, probably was the first game that we've seen where the defensive structures and systems seem to work. Now, we can come on to that, you know, whether that was partly because of Northampton style of play or, or whether it was just it, you know, it all connected and, and, uh, and worked yesterday. Um, and I think generally uh, we're still a little bit lacking in attack. You know, we're very good on from set pieces. We score a lot of tries or most of our tries still from either first phase ball or um, from set, play, you know, set pieces. So for example, uh, rolling malls. Um, so it'd be nice to see a bit more um, attacking play Um Similar to what we played against Newcastle, actually, where we started to throw around a bit more. Well, but uh, you know, it's been it's been an interesting few months where I think now we're we're starting to slightly see this sort of development of a of a, a playing system uh, and a style. Um, but yeah, it's still early days, so it, it'll be an interesting game. I think you know we'll come on to the Bristol game next week, but um, it'll be an interesting game next next week because you can see there's definitely a, a confidence that's building with the Gloucester players. 
I was going um, to say, do you, do you feel that there's more of a cohesiveness within the squad now um, than there was at the beginning of the season? Um, and, and or do you or are there particular players that have really kind of driven this improvement forward? I mean, Ludlow, I think, you know, the captain, Lewis Ludlow, has been pretty much excellent. Um, you know, the, one of the criticisms previously was his uh, tendency to give away penalties and and daft penalties. Um, and actually, he, he's really worked on that. And, you know, you can see that element of his game almost disappeared. And his leadership role, his leadership role and his, um, his, his decisions uh, on the pitch have uh, increasingly become uh, better. Um, we, we, you know, we are lucky in the fact that we've got some superstars in the backs. I mean, I know Bristol have got similar superstars, but we have got some absolute superstars in the backs. Louis Rees-Samet is, you know, he's world-class. Um, Santi, uh, Santi uh, Carreras, um, again, a, a fantastic addition to the side and has really stepped up. Obviously scored those two interceptions against, uh, against Bristol back in February. Uh, and I, the other player who and I, I'd be openly admit it, and I was never, was never a big fan um not necessarily from his attacking, but I think his attacking-wise has always been good. But defensively, I've always had question marks. But Mark Atkinson has really, really stepped up in the last six or, six or seven weeks. Um, it is crucial to how, I think, um, George Skivington wants us to play. And, and it was nice yesterday to see, after about six, seven years, that somebody's worked out it might be an idea to be on Mark Atkinson's shoulder every so often. Um <laughs> But yeah, I mean, and then in the pack, I mean, Jamal Ford Robinson is is becoming just an incredibly important player uh, off the bench. I'd like to see him maybe be as destructive um, uh, uh, from a starting position. But you know, and then I think final the final player who I think probably if it hadn't have been for the fact that Chris Harris has been excellent all season, um, Ed Slater probably would be our player of the season. Um, every time he plays, uh, our line out and our and our um, rolling malls look really really good. Um, and again, his leadership ability, you know, he's captained the team before um, he, he's, he stepped up as well. It's, um, it's interesting you, meant, uh, you mentioned Mark Atkinson, actually, because did you uh, see that there, there were some reports a couple of weeks ago that he was on Pat Lamb's radar and, and Pat has always fancied him. And we, we discussed this on our pod a couple of months mm. ago, a couple of weeks ago, and thought, actually, if we, he'd be quite a good signing for Bristol. Um, I don't know whether you can refute all of these rumours or, or say a little bit more about him. I, he's, he's an interesting guy. So from my understanding, um, yeah, he isn't going anywhere. Um, so um, I think that was pretty much out of the mouth of Alex Brown and uh, George Skivington. So I, I'm, I'm pretty confident that he's staying. I think he's got another year anyway on his contract. So uh, I don't think that's 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 a starter really. Um, it, it's it, it would make sense why Bristol would be interested in him. He's a he's a very very good attacking player. I think that the the reason why his game is has has improved or his his um, game has been stamped on the George Skivington style is he's had players outside him like Chris Harris um, or Billy Twelve Trees inside him for example whose defensive um, qualities make up for his maybe uh, where he lacks um, but Mark, Mark Atkinson has been a player that we've a lot of lost player fans have, have really liked for a long time um, and I think sometimes his, his attacking play has been almost on a different wavelength to a lot of the other players. And it's just, it has been one of the things that I've, we've all noticed in, in the last few weeks, particularly players are starting to wake up I'd say after seven years that he's uh, it might be an idea to be on his shoulder because he is in, he's always, always looking for that offload. Um, so again, I, you know, the way Bristol play, uh, it's a fairly dynamic um, system and structure that Bristol play uh, offloads are key. You know, you look for the, you're looking for the, the guy on the shoulder it would make sense why Pat Lamb would probably fancy him in the team and he's a, he'd be a good addition. But thankfully he isn't going there, so that's good. <laughs> okay, well, that's, that's I'm glad you cleared up. So so Bears Beyond the Gate fans, you've heard it straight from the mouth, he's going nowhere. So, okay, well, we'll look at other people. Um, just thought, <laughs> because it was such a good win yesterday and we're recording this on Sunday, lunch, Sunday afternoon, um, have you got any comments about yesterday's game? I mean, I don't know if you saw it, but what, what would you yeah. say was the reason you got a bonus point win against... Uh, Northampton Saints. I mean, I, I think it's probably about as good a performance Gloucester put eighty per minute performance as Gloucester put in probably for two three years. Um, from the first whistle, the intensity was right. Um, they were they were the, the the problem we found with the defensive structures that Gloucester have been playing is it's blitz blitz blitz, uh, regardless of what the opposition are doing. Um, and um, maybe yesterday Northampton 
sort of fell into our trap. Uh, they were trying to get the ball wide very quickly, um, which the way we blitz means that it, we push a runner out quite out, out, some outside centre for a wing and it, it, it forces them back inside um, where our really big hitters are. So I, I think probably that helped. But overall, I think it comes down to intensity. You know, that Gloucester generally, when we, we say on the pod that when we're chatting on our WhatsApp group, within the first 10 minutes, we know pretty much whether we're going to be in with a shout on a, on a, on a week basis because the, the line speed's right, the intensity in the, in the tackling's right. Um, and, and actually just the, the decisions, tactical decisions in terms of when to kick, when not to kick, it just all fell into place like yesterday. And I think the important thing for Gloucester, uh, the club really, is that that's the standard now. You know, we've said for a long time that we've got the players, we've got the squad, um, and that's the standard. I'm not saying that if we played like that, we'd beat Bristol next week, but we'd probably run you close, even if you if you were playing um, as well as you could. Um, and I think that's the that's the really important thing. If Gloucester can match that week on week, we will be top four. That's as simple as that. And then that's the challenge. They've got to really try and hit those those levels um, every week. And and, and I, I, I'm increasingly positive about it we still have some niggles I still think sometimes the defensive structure is not quite right I do think we kick the ball away a little bit too much um, and I'd like us to maybe compete at the rucks a little bit more but overall I can't really find fault with yesterday um, and you know I think probably since the La Rochelle game actually you know we played Newcastle um, we should have beaten Sale um away really uh, so you know it's it's there are it, it's been fine margins um and i'm far more positive now than i was when i spoke to you back in february um where That's i was fairly despondent yeah, yeah. We, well we bit, I, I mean it, we, we were a bit worried about you when we listened to <laughs> it well it's, it's amazing what a win can do but i think you know we, we, we've all been saying that if 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 we can get a few more wins, it's incredible. We're only three points off top eight now, which is bonkers because, you know, a few weeks ago we were thinking we'd be lucky to get out to 11th or 10th. So um, I, I'm, I think we're all a little bit confident, more, more confident that there's a few results to come our way. We've got London Irish at home, Bath at home, um, you guys away. Um, so, you know, we'll see, we'll see what happens. We've, we've got a few good winnable games coming up. Oh, and Worcester away last game of the season. Well, it also, I mean, it, yesterday's result in particular, but I think generally what you've been saying does kind of set up quite a, a mouth-watering contest, I think. I mean, you with the extended Champions League qualification to top eight now, I mean, you've got everything to play for as well. Um, we've mm-hmm. still got to try and main, maintain a top two, even though it's looking good. So, you know, we do meet again uh, on at the gate on a, on a Monday night, and this is going to be uh, the first game for Bristol with fans since last March last year, because we never got any when the tiers changed. So what do you reckon? Um, we're going to put you on the spot, Ed. Uh, how do you reckon that's going to go? What, what, what do you think is going to be the result? I mean, being realistic, you know, Bristol are top for a reason. Um, and I would expect Bristol probably to run out winners. Um, Gloucester's, the, the issue being Gloucester have struggled to back up performances like we have, we had yesterday. Um, but if Gloucester can get close to it, I, I would fancy us for, for, to get within seven. Um, and I think, Maybe that added pressure of having fans in the ground. It sounds daft, but Gloucester struggled when we had the first game back where we had um, fans, um, I think we had Quinns, and we, we were awful. Um, and um, we then played, we, we then obviously had the, uh, the, the the close season. We had fans back again. It was Quinns again, and we were just as awful. Um, and, and it felt almost that the supporters, there was the extra pressure, and it just seemed to throw the players a little bit. Um, so it'll be interesting. It's a different dynamic. You know, players haven't played, you know, you guys haven't played with a, with a crowd for over a year. Um, it, it will it will be a different dynamic. And um, if it isn't going right in that first 20, 30 minutes, if, they have a, if you have a first half like you did against Bath yesterday, um, Gloucester players could feed off any negativity, that sort of tension that's in the crowd. Um, I do expect Bristol probably to run a, to win it maybe last 20 minutes just you you know your strike runners are so dangerous and as I said our defensive structures I think against pl- big players like you've got in terms of uh, Piatau and Andrada we do struggle um, particularly when running from deep you you know there's holes everywhere <laughs> so um, if we can keep it tight I, I would I would fancy us to uh, to get a losing bonus point but um, 
it, it, it hopefully will be an open game as well. I think you could see a lot of tries. Well, Pete, another great, I think Ed's done three of these uh, for us now um, and such an eloquent speaker uh, about rugby and uh, about Gloucester. Um, And it was interesting when you spoke to him about Atkinson and uh, I think that that kind of finally puts it to bed that uh, he's not going to come Bristol's way. But then when he was talking about his defensive frailties, I was thinking, well, maybe that's not such a bad idea after all. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it was good. Yeah, it's uh, um, yeah. I thought I suddenly thought I'd get that in there. See if I can get a, a world exclusive. <laughs> and all I got was a world exclusive that he's definitely not coming. <laughs> um, but there you go. Yeah, no, always nice. I mean, they're they're hitting a bit of form. Obviously, yesterday uh, a lot of lot of their pieces came together in their big in their jigsaw. Uh, I, I think we've got to be careful. We have got to be careful against uh, Gloucester because, as he pointed out, they've got some box office players. And if they get it right, and uh, if they if it all kind of comes together, then we could be up. You know, we could be in for a, a decent game. So, you know, I, I'm looking forward to it. If I get a ticket, that is. <laughs> and, and Miles is by my calculations. Uh, there's 20 points up for grab. Uh, if 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 we get ten points from those last four games, then we're guaranteed a home semi final. So, do you think Pat will be tempted to tinker uh, with the team after that uh, great win at Bath, or do you think the fact that we've got another European break uh, the week after will mean he'll go flat out? So, h- how many changes, if any, do you think Pat will make? Uh, I think Pat's going to go big, personally. I think this is the first game we've had fans in all season. And interestingly, listening to Pete's interview, I'm, I'm a bit worried as well, because Gloucester said every time they played in front of fans, they've done appallingly <laughs> and, and felt the pressure from two or 3,000 fans. So I hope the spectacle of Monday night in front of 3,138 fans doesn't spook the, spook the Bears team who've not played in front of anyone all season. But I, I think we've got a chance to play at Ashton Gate, our home under the lights. Some some very dedicated fans are going to be down there. Pat's going to go big. And I hope, you know, I hope for that reason, we, we don't really sort of change any of the team. Maybe bring like O'Connor back. He had a rest. But him and Semi in the centres. But other than that, I think a similar team. Okay, and uh, Lee, your thoughts? Do you do you think do you see a few more changes than Miles uh, is talked about, or uh, do, do you think Pat will will go big because this is the first game for fifteen months where we've got fans there actually live to to watch it? Yeah, I hate to agree with Miles, but I I, I do. <laughs> I, I just think that that Pat will go go strong. Um, I mean, barring any injuries, and I, I don't I don't see Pat tinkering too much. Um, I, I think we'll go big. It's against Gloucester again. It's another big West Country derby. Like Miles has said, we've got fans back in the stadium. And, um, and you know, the boys will want to put on a show for the fans because, you know, we've been talking about this for, for a year now, haven't we? So, you know, personally, if we all get tickets, I cannot wait. If the three of you get tickets, I'll be so jarred off not being there. Okay, and and Pete, your your thoughts on team selection? We've we've heard Piers O'Connor mentioned another one of those that's rested uh, against Bath. Uh, Dan Thomas, you would expect to uh, feature maybe in the twenty three after a week off. Any any more changes you think? Maybe a Purdy. I don't know. Maybe if he's fit, uh, maybe come in, give Morahan a little rest, because uh, or maybe um, Nualago. We don't know quite what the situation is, but they they've been out. They could do with a run out. I would have thought. I mean. It's it's uh, it's about kind of managing everybody's intensity levels now, isn't it? And and also keeping them fit. I, I wonder whether the old uh, going back to what we talked about, whether old Jake Kerr will get a start. I just wonder. Um, I, that would be my kind of wild card choice because I just thought he looked so good uh, when he came on and and solid in the line out. And and I think as Ed pointed out, their line out is working quite well. So um, you know we we need to be on point with that. So yeah, I don't know. I think Nath will get another game only at number eight. I think to keep his momentum going, he he, he looked uh, full of it. So. Um, uh, so, but one thing I'm pretty sure won't happen is that Tom Kessel won't start. <laughs> 
There we are. I, I, I've got a sneaking suspicion we'll we'll see a new front row, the three that were on the, the bench. Uh, I, I can see them starting. Obviously, John Afoa will be licking his lips at the prospect of getting stuck into Gloucester. Uh, so so I, I could see maybe Jan, um, Brian Byrne and Sinclair being on the bench and the, the, the other three starting. I think Dan Thomas will, will come back in. Um, whether that means Ben Earl drops to the bench and then potentially comes on for for Hughes on 55, 60 minutes. But I do agree. I think Hughes needs to play some games now, get sharp. I think Semi will play. He's He's been away, isn't he? A couple of uh, uh, injuries. So uh, I think, you know, he, he was looking fresh. Um, but uh, yeah, if if we can if we can put this one to bed, then depending on other results, you know that home semi final could be could be really really close uh, at the uh, the close of play. Um, okay, then boys, let's put our money where our mouths uh, are. Um, let's go for the predictions, and before we do, um, the person closest to uh, the bath result, and I can see him smiling already uh, on the uh, on the screen. Was Pete went for a fifteen thirty five Bristol win, so uh, not far out at all there, Pete. So well done on that prediction. So. Um, you, you go first, sir. You have the honour of giving you our thoughts. Ed was thinking they could get within seven. Is that wishful thinking? I think that, ironically, I think they'll be a much harder opponent than Bath were. I think, uh, I think that they'll be they'll be pretty solid in defence. It sounds like they, uh, well, he he kind of implied that they can be quite good in defence, but. Um, um, but I, I don't know. No, I'm not going to be quite as optimistic as well. So I'm going to go for a fairly narrow win for Bristol. I don't think it'll be. I don't think they'll get a losing bonus point, but it could be a, a maybe an eight or a nine. So I don't know. I think we'll score. I do feel like we've got four tries in us. So I'd say twenty-five sixteen. <laughs> twenty-five sixteen. Miles, let me come to you. Uh, your thoughts. I'm going to go a little bit bigger than that. I'm going to go for, yeah, four tries, I think. But I think Gloucester could score a few. So I'm going to go for 33-21 to the Bears. 33-21. And Lee, obviously you you went for a 3-0 uh, win last weekend. <laughs> oh, I did. Uh, <laughs> your, 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 your friend, your friend Mark Miles did that for you. Um, Thanks, Miles. Thank did you see it that low scoring again this week, or are you going to go for something a little bit more optimistic? No, I, I'm going to go. I, I, I think actually, I mean, Gloucester. Ed was right. Gloucester are playing well, but I do think that that game against Saints, I do think Northampton didn't really show up um, personally, and I think that they, they kind of, they didn't play the way that they, they generally could or have been recently. So. I'm going to go for for quite a big win. I'm going to go for a 34-16, Tony. 34-16. Well, that's that's close to what I just written down. I'm I'm going to go for a 35-14 win. I think uh, if we if we get some early momentum, then uh, I, I I think we could. Uh, could run away with that one. So uh, that will be very interesting to see. And uh, of course, it will give a new dynamic to the podcast with us actually not only being able to talk about the game, but the atmosphere at the game uh, for the the first time since, since, since March 2020 um a uh, couple of uh, shout outs to do um first one is uh got an email from roddy jenkins one of our uh, big supporters of the podcast and hits his dad uh stephen it's uh it's 78th birthday today stephen's a big bristol bears fan so on behalf of all of us stephen i uh, hope you've had a, a a very good birthday and uh uh it uh, hopefully uh, uh, you you will see a, uh, a, a superb performance against Gloucester. And uh, a, another person who was celebrating his 30th birthday and said uh, winning at Bath was the perfect present was uh, 
Aaron Breddy, who uh, again is one of our followers on Twitter. So Aaron, happy 30th birthday to you. And you did ask on your, uh, I saw on your tweet, whether we could get the uh, the boys from Bath back on the podcast to uh, have another little chat with them. But, uh, you know, we, we we like to leave people to, to mourn in their own way, really. So <laughs> let, let, let's face it, Bath haven't had a lot of, to uh, cheer about with, uh, with Bristol uh, this season, having conceded record uh, defeats both home and away in the league well that's about it for this week's show uh, gentlemen as ever it has been a pleasure talking to you what a fabulous result and actually before we go one of the things I, I was uh, going to say and I think somebody talked about this on Twitter um, despite giving away the the early lead uh, against Bath was was that the closest we've come to a full 80 minutes performance recently. Let's go quick answers from all of you. Let me come to you first, Pete. Uh, no, because we made too many mistakes again. Like, I mean, a perfect one is that Morahan's little pass to Earl would have been flat. He wouldn't have slightly knocked on when he nearly scored. Um, I, no, I, it, it was close because there was some great stuff, but no, not for me. It was, it was, it, there has to be, it has to be faultless faultless okay and you lee we won't say it was the perfect 80 but uh were we getting close to it in your view well i, I obviously would agree with pete that handling errors were you know were a bit too much but i would say taking taking that out of it, out of the picture the equation i would say that some of our rugby is starting to gear itself towards the playoffs now and um i would say that was that was fairly close yeah uh, Miles, to to you as well. And one thing that we didn't talk about on the podcast uh, about the game uh, or earlier on was uh, that we seemed to learn our lesson from being counterrucked by Exeter. And uh, in fact, we started to do uh, a bit of that ourselves. Um, do do you, do you think we're edging closer to that perfect performance? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it wasn't faultless by any means. Uh, the second half was fantastic. But yeah, I think Pat in the week did say that they had learned some fantastic lessons from the Exeter game. Uh, and they'd actually, I think as a team and an organisation, spoken to Wayne Barnes about the legality of some of the uh, the counter-rucking by Chiefs. And I think they'd learned from it. So we were just doing to Bath what Chiefs did to us. And I think that put us in, that, that loss actually helped us a lot. And that's, that's put us in good stead in these last four or six games. Well, that's it for this show. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe and leave a review or rating for us on your favourite podcast platform. We'll be back next week with our review of the Gloucester game. Until then, goodbye, stay safe and come on, Briz. Briz.